Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what I about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic there's no crying in baseball no crying hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app good morning everybody good morning baseball fans on a sunday morning at 9 a.m and i'm at a bar This is when you know, this is when you know you've lived life correctly. When you find yourself at an open bar, not open like you don't have to pay, but it's open. Come on over. Come on in here. Hang out. Order some coffee or perhaps a mimosa. It's really up to you. It's the Shy Sox Bar and Grill right across from the stadium just off of, uh, is it Gate 5? I think Gate 5 is right here right next to us. And we've got Cubs and White Sox coming up in a little bit. Look, there are guests on the show, sure. And, you know, sometimes the guests are awesome, and sometimes there's not that many, and sometimes there's a guest co-host sitting with me here and everything, and that's, that's all fine and good. But if I can't talk baseball with you, and you're not interested in calling up or texting and tweeting and talking baseball with me today, then let's all get out of the business. This is Cubs Sox. This is incredibly juicy. From, from my perspective in the media, I think it, it might never have been quite so juicy and storyline-packed as it is right now. And I'll explain to you what I mean in a couple of moments. But it's nice to be here, and we will have guests. Steve Stone is going to be on the, on the show on, a, on the phone around 11 o'clock. My guy Chris Kampka with Camp, Connection, Camp Connections. A nugget about both teams, maybe a couple today. Uh, that'll be at 945. Hoping for a player from each team along the way, uh, maybe in the 10 o'clock hour. I'm here until 1235 until Cubs pregame. And we'll see what happens with uh, with the starting pitcher from last night who had uh, not a not a great outing. He was supposed to come on the show this morning. He might not have been in the best of moods last night. And I understand that. I will have to say that I understand. You hope that uh, that Lucas is not uh, Lucas Giolito is not is not developing any sort of cub thing. It's the two bad starts, right? There's two worst starts of the year with six earned runs in each. Gave up five earned runs against the Mariners on the 6th of April, but that's back when the Mariners were hitting home runs against everybody with everybody in their lineup. Remember, they started with like a 1,000 home runs in the first three weeks. I may be exaggerating. But anyway, uh, Lucas Giolito lost the release point. So said Rick Renteria after that game, lost the release point in the fifth inning, and that's why he could not find the plate for a little while there. But that will not dampen for me 
what has been the phenomenal story of Lucas Giolito's first half. A man on his way to an all-star game. A man, if he doesn't start it, it's going to be his favorite pitcher, Justin Verlander. It's the two of them. In a week during which Verlander, when asked about Giolito, said, quote, I can't wait to pick his brain, unquote. How's that feel? When you grow up having a favorite player, favorite pitcher, and you get to the bigs, and your name is mentioned to him, and he says, I can't wait to pick his brain. That's pretty cool. So lots of good stuff surrounding Giolito's first half, just not particularly last night. Uh, big stories from last night's ball game. Look, there's a few. John Lester is so smart, so tough, and just he enjoys the cat and mouse game of pitching and always has, but has to do it even more these days with the stuff as it stands, and he was terrific. The Cubs, I think, four for nine with runners in scoring position last night. This is two straight good offensive games since Theo came on the airwaves here and blew up, and since Joe went out there and blew up in his own way at the Pittsburgh Pirates, Clint Hurdle and Ray Searage for throwing high and tight. Cubs offense um, very smart last night to not chase Giolito's pitches in that fifth inning when he could not find the plate. They made him come into the strike zone. And that's what Joe Madden stressed after the game, is that that needs to become contagious. Everybody forcing the opposition to throw them strikes. And if you can control your strike zone and accept your walks, then eventually they'll have to come challenge you and you'll know it's coming. Also, uh, Kyle Schwarber with one of the, one of the funnier two-run doubles I've ever seen. I, I, he thought it was a foul ball over his head and behind his back, and it was not. It was pretty, pretty damn absurd. But the big story I come out of last night with was, did you see Craig Kimbrell pitch? Did you notice how different the stuff was that Craig Kimbrell was throwing than any of his other Cub outings? That's the fourth one. First time out, he got the save in that very scary fashion at Wrigley when Anthony Rizzo covered first base for him diving at first base after Kimbrell had forgotten to go over. Second one was in uh, garbage time, gave up a home run. Where was that? Was that, uh, was that Atlanta? No, because the first one was Atlanta. The second one was on the road. I guess Cincinnati, right? And they were getting pounded. Or maybe it was the Pittsburgh game where they were getting pounded. That's what it was. It was the 18-5 to Pittsburgh game, and he just went out there to get an inning and gave up a home run. Third one was uh, when he walked Elias Diaz in Pittsburgh, and then eventually Wilson Contreras could not field the fly ball in right field. That was a very complicated, weird inning anyway. And Kimbrell ended up with uh, the blown save there. This was the fourth one last night. And I know he got in some trouble with two on because he hit somebody with that knuckle curve. But he struck out all three guys. And again, the stuff. Did you see that the fastball, not just that it went up to 98 and he was sitting around 97, but it had jump. It had life. It had that carry that he's known for. When he throws that four-seam fastball and it has carry, like it looks like it's rising. You ever play wiffle ball and some dude going against you has the sidearm rising fastball, which genuinely rises as you're at the plate, and you're like, I cannot hit that because it starts around your eyes and it looks good and then it just goes higher. No major league fastballs actually rise, but at their best, the four-seamers, they carry. They do not drop. That's what carry is. Carry is the absence, absence of drop, and they measure that now. 
Giolito's got great carry on his four-seamer. It's why he throws the changeup with it, and the changeup drops when it looks like the four-seamer that, that carries, and the mile per hour is different. That's why he gets a lot of swings and misses on those pitches. But Kimbrell's four-seamer, I, I haven't checked the carry specifically on last night. We could. They measure it. It's out there. But, man, that fastball looked vicious, and the knuckle curve was just just outrageous. Yeah, one time he hit a dude on the foot, um, and you don't want to do that. Another time he got a big swing and a miss. I think it was Larry Garcia on one that could have hit him in the foot because it looks like a strike, and then it drops two and a half feet down and to the left, down and to the left. Uh, and another time, he led with it on, on, on pitch number one, I think, to Abreu was a knuckle curve that he threw right over for a strike. And then pitch two to Abreu was a 97-mile-hour fastball that Abreu fouled off, and boom, it's 0-2, and, and you've got him under your control. That was nasty, Craig Kimbrell. So maybe it's taken him this long to ramp it up with all the uh, rehab assignments with now the four major league appearances but that was a different Craig Kimbrell than we have seen when he was going really really well in Boston two years ago in the first half of last year he was that without any control problems so imagine a guy with that good stuff completely able to control it and throw strikes it, he becomes unhittable. That's why his save percentage is second all time to Eric Gagne, who we know was using some stuff. That's why Kimbrell is on a Hall of Fame track. Second half of last year, he lost command a little bit. So you'll watch for that and make sure he doesn't lose command. But enjoy the filth that Craig Kimbrell appears ready to give you on a semi-regular basis. All right, it's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. We thank Wintrust for having us over here at the Shy Sox Bar and Grill. Come on over and hang out and, uh, and, and sit with me and, uh, and taunt me with your alcohol while I stay blissfully sober until at least 12.35. At least 12.35. Rich Wyatt, if you want to have a drink, that's okay. I trust you as you run the board over there. And Mike Chen back at the shop. Thank you so much. Shane Reardon on his way is going to be helping out here. Here's why I say that right now has perhaps never been a more juicy, more storyline-packed Cubs-Sox series. I want you to think about this with me and respond at, at your leisure. The Cubs are not playing well, but they're still in first place. They are in first place today. The White Sox are playing well for the most part and have definitively turned a corner in their rebuild. There are, by my count... 12 or 13 players of consequence to watch on that team right now. Guys who are interesting, intriguing parts of what should be the contending window that begins next season. Next season. Okay? That means both teams are interesting. It means both teams are compelling and worth watching. That's your starting point. And then the Cubs, as I mentioned, overall... Nice, nice couple of wins in a row, but overall not playing well. 10 and 15 since the 10th of June, but still in first place in this weird National League Central. So that's fascinating. You got those two. So those two. Theo Epstein's public irritation, which swept the airwaves this week and the news cycle for the next three days, has everybody in that Cubs organization with their, their hackles up looking around. Their, their ears kind of wide open, wondering what folks are saying, if anything. That has led to uh, an unrest 
among Cub fans. The public irritation, along with the way the team has been playing, has led to a, to a, a discomfort among Cub fans and, frankly, a, a discomfort among some Cub players and employees, which I believe was the goal for Theo Epstein. Joe Madden's hot seat, his uncharacteristic ejection the other night, the other day, I should say, in, in Pittsburgh. That's interesting. All the talk around Joe, Joe having to face questions about, and did you hear what Theo had to say? What, is, what, do you, what do you think about that? Theo talking about Joe yesterday. People raising their arms in broadcast booths as being interested. I know Joe Girardi was doing the Mets and the Phillies last night. He called Todd Frazier and Jake Arrieta's little dust up. But Joe Girardi, just ask him, he'll be happy to raise his hand and say, yes, I am interested. And there are others who are interested. So you got all that going on here. You have Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, both here for the White Sox, both emblems of White Sox, Hope and Cubs front office miscalculations. Because I think there's no other way to describe the outcome of that trade right now. And Bruce Levine and I got into it a little bit yesterday. Maybe you caught that on Inside the Clubhouse. But there's no other way to define that trade. Right now as it stands, that's a loss for the Cubs. That's a loss. As an asset, as assets, having Eloy and Cease at this moment in their careers is incredibly valuable. As an asset... Having Jose Quintana at this moment is not quite as valuable. Now, tied to that was the contract, which lets you sign a free agent. But, unfortunately, it was you Darvish. Or, unfortunately, you Darvish has been what he's been so far. So, anyway, Eloy and Cease, both here, emblems of Sox hope and emblems of Cubs mm, uh, self-scouting mistakes, if you will, which I think is undeniable. Then you had the matchup last night of Giolito's excellence, Lester's wisdom and toughness, Giolito as the all-star. And you have the two managers who are, they're not rivals. It's not like the managers are rivals. But for you, the fans, for us, the media, as I'm talking about the juiciness and the storylines here, Renteria replaced by Madden across town five years ago. And absurdly... That could be an option again. Look, I've been making jokes about it. Yesterday I said that when Madden's Post Southside opens just west of the Starbucks on 35th, um, just west of State Street next year, and Joe steps in to be the manager once Ricky has done his job of, of helming the rebuild and getting these guys to point B. Look, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's, it's funny to me. And at the expense of Rick Renteria... Uh, and and I look, Ricky's an, uh, a very nice man, and I, and maybe he will be here. Maybe he will be here for well into the window. But look, those managers are linked for us, and I think they're linked for a lot of other people. So that is that is silly in and of itself. So look, th- those are all the storylines I'm giving you right there. All the uh, all the all the angles that I could take to talk to you, or you could take to talk to me. And you know what's not even really in there is the dislike for each other like that's not even a factor that needs to be discussed right now that is simply the subtext for fans in the entire history of the rivalry that's there the other stuff is interesting enough we don't have to drum up you know phony anger or 
or, 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 you know, needle you, Sox fans, needle you, Cub fans, to have you go at each other so we can have some, you know, phony drama on the airwaves as you, you, you bitch about each other. Look, if you want to, if you want to talk about your neighbor who's flying flags in your face, feel free. You want to talk about, as somebody texted yesterday, that Cub fan who asks you every time you show up at work, hey, what was the White Sox attendance last night? I mean, you want to talk about that guy, that's fine. But this rivalry doesn't need any of the storylines that I've just mentioned to be contentious. It just is. Don't pretend it's not. It just is because of family, because of friends, because of the kind of stuff I just referenced. So all that stuff is just under there. It's the underbelly that hasn't really risen to the surface with anything. It's not like Paul Konerko got hit in the head and then hit two homers, right? Or got hit in the head by Samarja and came back and and did some more. It's not like uh, it's not like Michael Barrett was in the booth on Fox yesterday with AJ Pruszynski and Len Casper. I mean, they certainly showed it, but we don't even need that stuff to make this compelling. That's what's so cool about this moment right now with these teams. I want you to pick a storyline. Pick any of the storylines I just mentioned. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about this series. Let's talk about these two teams and where they are right now. The Cubs and how they're playing. The Sox and how they're playing. Theo's public irritation. Madden's hot seat. Eloy and Cease being here. Giolito and Lester. The two managers as they stand. And the, the, the unnecessary inclusion of the contentiousness. Because it's just, it's a sidelight. It's a sidelight to what has become, finally, God, what, first time since 2008, maybe? Two very interesting teams, and it's going to get better. It's going to get more interesting. It's going to get more intriguing. By the time we get to, what, 2021, where are we going to be? Because right now, with all that I'm saying, right now, there is no question who the better team is. Cubs are the better team. Whether they win the games or not, Look, it's baseball. Anything can happen on a daily basis. But when will it be up for debate? When will the White Sox be able to stand up and say, you know what, we're the better team? As soon as next year, if they sign the right free agents, if, if uh, Michael Kopech comes back healthy and you've got Giolito, Cease, and Kopech at the top of your rotation, is, is, when does the leveling of these teams happen? It could be soon. And by the time we're in 2021, so many things will have uh, either been decided or will be on the precipice of being decided. You know whose final Cubs contractual year is 2021, right? 2021 is the final contractual year for Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Kyle Schwarber. And John Lester. And Theo Epstein. So what does that mean? What the hell is this going to look like in a couple of years? It's an interesting moment in this Cubs-Sox rivalry, and I don't know if it's ever been quite so juicy, quite so storyline-packed uh, for, for media and for fans right now. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. There will be guests. There will be blood, and there will be guests. But let's talk, you and me. 67011 to text me at, uh, at the score at 67011. You can tweet at Matt Spiegel 670 and, you know, you can find me any number of ways. Also, you can step into the Shy Sox Bar and Grill and taunt me with your alcohol. 
Good morning, everyone. It's Cubs Sox at 12.35. I'll step aside for Zach Zayman and pregame Ivan Nova and Kyle Hendricks. It's Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel and you right here on 670. The... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The 0-2 pitch from Kimbrell. Swing and a miss. The ball gets away from Contreras. He picks it up. He throws to Rizzo. Cubs win. The Cubs win the ball game. I thought he was really good tonight. I thought it was, I mean, the curveball. He's got to throw his curveball. He's the guy in the foot. I mean, then you saw what he did with the next guy with the same curveball. Uh, to Garcia and how what a bad swing he had at it. We eventually saw the curveball against Abreu what it turned into also. He has to pitch. He has to go out there and pitch. He had a great fastball. That to me was uh, more reminiscent of what to expect. Um, it's great for him to build off of that. I think he may be available tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but I, I really like that and I beyond all that, are you watching him? I mean, when he's out there, he's really in control of the moment. He doesn't Nothing was going too quickly. That was really fun for me to watch also. That's pretty cool. It's Joe Madden uh, in detail talking about Craig Kimbrell, a bunch of different things in there. And the highlight you heard, the final out, as Craig Kimbrell closed it out. I mentioned in the first segment, I just I, I thought Kimbrell was at his best, that that was the dude. That was the dude that, um, that you're expecting to see in terms of the quality of stuff. The carry on his four-seam fastball, that's for the texture who asked me to say it correctly. So apologies if I didn't say it right before. The carry on the four-seam fastball was quite something. And a little interesting that Joe Madden says he might be available today because we have not seen Kimbrell go back-to-back other than in Iowa uh, when he did. So um, could be could be something that you could see here on the final day before the All-Star break that Kimbrell could go again if needed. And that would be that'd be pretty cool, obviously, for the Cubs. It's hit and run on 670 to score. A lot of texts that I am saving and will get to and we will talk and converse and some callers on the phone to talk about this Cubs Sox series. Let's go to line two first. Um, I mentioned I ran down the litany of reasons why I think this particular Cubs Sox moment, this Crosstown classic moment is so juicy and so packed with storylines. This is Adam in Griffith who is on 670 The Score. Adam, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Chris? Uh, it's Matt, but I'm doing great. Thank Matt, you so much. Sorry, but um, we're talking hey, who, about Chris the... Chris, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I, thought, I thought Matt Spiegel, Chris Spiegel. <laughs> Chris, oh, I thought maybe Chris Raji. I was going to be like, wow, that's no, interesting. All right, no. go ahead. Go ahead, Al. What do you got to say? So, uh, <laughs> so um, you know the Cubs, uh, the Cubs stock thing? I, I used to live in St. Louis, so I get uh, what... With the what the rivalry is, but the but the in town rivalry, and this is this is kind of hard stuff to talk about. But it's more than that. It's it's kind of about racism, about about money. It's about North Side versus South Side for real. And there's something else. I mean, you got you got fans on both sides of it, but it's it's they have pride because it's uh, you know let's face it, they're the poor, and and we're the rich up here in their eyes, and it's it's not. 
it's, it's just hard to talk about, but there's something there. That's an extremely broad brush, Adam. Uh, I appreciate the phone call. It's an extremely uh, broad brush. And it's it, generalizations like that certainly are not um, 100% true, uh, without a doubt. Okay. Um, that that said, if you're if you haven't noticed, you know, socio-political and sometimes economic and classist undertones to a Sox-Cubs rivalry, and you've lived in this town for a while, you're not paying attention. So yeah, some of that stuff is in here. Um, I think, and I think that there are some Sox fans who fully embrace the working class nature of being Sox fans. Like we are real people. We're real fans. You guys with your hoity toity, your wriggliness and your all of that. The truth is there are Sox fans of all colors and stripes and there are Cub fans of all colors and stripes. So I can't let the generalizations you just threw out there exist in a bubble. Um, I, I know a lot of people who grew up on the North shore as white Sox fans. I, I know plenty of African-American Cub fans, etc. But, you know, th- this, those kind of sociopolitical issues as, as, as underbelly, as undercurrent of a rivalry, man, that's, that's true all over the world that some of that stuff gets involved. Some of that stuff gets involved in soccer rivalries, you know, all over Europe. It's like, you know, so, so all that stuff can be in there for some, but it's, it's largely individualized. And, uh, and not something that I think this conversation particularly even needs, frankly. And that was like the gist of my lead is that the baseball in itself is interesting enough to me right now. And that is air and precious thing. It is because it, it's not always the case that the baseball in and of itself is interesting enough. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz in the Big Ten West Division and Holiday Bowl champions at Ryan Field this fall when they host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season and single game tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. To that point, Brooks Boyer, the White Sox marketing director, um, kind enough to come over and talk to me and Bruce Levine yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse. And Bruce said off the air, so what do you got coming up in the second half of the year that you're excited about? And that was a question about giveaways, about marketing, about promotions, about trying to draw fans, that kind of thing. And Brooks said, the team. The question was, what are you most excited about in the second half? And the marketing director said, the team. There are guys here that matter, and there are more coming. How about that? That's, that's when you know you've definitively turned a corner in the rebuild. Because the biggest draw, the most interesting thing about about the about the second half of the White Sox is the team. Remember when that happened for the Cubs too? Second half of 2014 and early 2015. It's like, oh boy, yeah, here we go. It wasn't just about widening your focus and zooming out and looking at the prospects down below and still going to Wrigley because it was fun to go to the ballpark and you know and oh look at what they did in Mesa as they redid the complex that's a little hint as to what they'll do here and oh what are they doing across the street and like it wasn't about that anymore it was about oh my god look at the team the White Sox have reached that point where the team is interesting enough this is Dave in Old Town on 670 the score Dave good morning welcome to hit and run Oh, hey, thanks, man. You know, uh, the point I was just going to make with all this talk about Madden on the hot seat was if you look at the last two years, really, who's done a better job at his job, Madden or Theo? I mean, when you look at all the moves starting in July of 2017, Theo's been doing it. And listen, I'm a huge fan of the whole Cubs front office, mind you, but they haven't made the best decisions or the decisions they've made haven't turned out the way they had thought they would. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 that's interesting. I have not thought about it in exactly specifically those terms. Dave, who's done a better job? Joe Madden did a hell of a job managing last year. Hell of a job. Um, this year he's been asked to change and augment what he has done to, uh, to be more than his consistent self. And Theo talked about that specifically yesterday. And I think he's done a, he's done a pretty good job of getting in there. And, you know, the, the hitting with runners in scoring position, the situational stuff was real good for a while early on after he had taken that um, under his, uh, his direct control. Um, and the front office has made a lot of made a lot of errors. I, I, I can I can see your point. I can see your point. Well, now that, that, that one, yeah, one that I was going to say too is he lost his bench coach Dave Martinez, who was a tremendous asset for this team. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I I don't know how much of a, of an asset Dave was specifically. It's hard to quantify that kind of thing, especially for an assistant. Um, I'll, I'll say this, the errors that Theo and the front office have made have really been glaring over the, over that time. I mean, I, I hope that the second half of the Cubs window is not going to be defined by an off season where you signed Chatwood, Brandon Morrow and you Darvish and it financially strapped you and it changed several, you know, things in terms of your bottom line. Right now, that offseason is, is what defines the state of the Cubs to me because there was your moment that they decided to reinvest a ton of money and the choices have not worked out. That Tyler Chatwood is a, is a long reliever. You Darvish is your least trusted starter. And, um, and Brandon Morrow cannot get healthy and play. He just cannot get healthy and pitch. Now, maybe he still will. And look, if you win a World Series this year with Darvish and Chatwood and Morrow being part of your pitching staff, then, then that, that, that narrative will turn around. That narrative. But right now, that's a really rough pile of expenditures that have not worked out. This is Ron on the south side on 670 the score ron good morning you're on hit and run and you know as i know that baseball is life what's up ron absolutely man i tell you you asked a question about when will the white Sox probably be getting closer to uh being competitive even better than the white Sox? uh if next year they are able to sign scherzer and i think i heard I think it was a couple people talking about whether we should sign Scherzer or Cole. I still like Scherzer. But if the the development continues, because if you look at the, the Cubs pitching, the Cubs pitching is aging. Man, it's aging. And with the White Sox having a young pitching staff, I still would like to see them sign uh, a veteran. But right now, man, I can tell you this is really nice. And knowing that uh, Luis Robert is coming, <laughs> we don't, it probably won't be. Until next year, it's right now. It's, it's 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 really nice being a White Sox fan. So that's it. And I want to ask you, would, it, if it they had a choice between um, Cole and um, Scherzer, Scherzer Scherzer's like not them? a free agent, Ron. Hang on one second, Ron. Scherzer's not oh, okay. a free agent. He's not a free agent until twenty twenty two. So I I mean, trading for Scherzer is certainly a possibility if you'd like to to bring on that money. Um, but he will be a 10 and five guy 
and I'm not sure exactly uh, like after this year he'll be a ten and five guy, and I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the um, what his no trade clauses will be. But man, to give up some young assets and, and acquire Scherzer, who's yeah, under contract no. next year for twenty eight, and the year after that for twenty seven mil. You do that in a heartbeat if you can. So thanks for the call, Ron. I, I, you know we'll have to see. And right now the Nationals, by the way, last I looked, six games out of first place. Right? Are they even closer than that? Heading to the standings. I'm Matt Spiegel, and I'm headed to the standings because it, it's incredibly improbable. Uh, the Nationals now seven games back of Atlanta, and I don't think they're going to make a run there in that division, but I didn't think they'd get back to this place where the aforementioned Davey Martinez has them seven games back. Tremendous. So, anyway, uh, Garrett Cole is the guy. If, if I'm the White Sox, I am pooling my money and throwing as much of it at Garrett Cole as I need to. To get that done. This is Scott in Lake Forest. Scott, you are on 670, the score. It is hit and run. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. How you doing? Good. Hey, you know what? I just want to say one thing. Uh, you know, I'm one of these few people that like both Sox and Cubs fan. Um, I like both teams. I grew up here my whole life. Um, I think it's great that we're both doing well. I know the Cubs aren't doing as good as people think they should be doing. I think the Sox are doing outstandingly well. They've absolutely turned the corner. Um, the one thing I do have to say, though, is that I'm old enough to remember um, when the Cubs were horrible for decades, right? And the last I looked, we won four division titles in a row. Um, and I know that we've had a bad season so far. But, uh, you know, they've got to give Joe Mann a little more credit um, as far as what he's accomplished, you know. And I don't think they should be, like, blowing him out of the water just because he's had a couple rough weeks or months. I understand, Scott. A lot of people share those feelings. Thanks for the call, man. A.J. Przinsky came on here yesterday, and I think he said it during the broadcast, too. What's going on in this town? I look around, and everybody's panicking about the Cubs, saying Joe ought to be fired. They just went to the playoffs four straight times. Uh, and it wasn't four straight division titles. It was uh, uh, last year the wild card. But anyway, they went to the playoffs four straight times. It's, it's the, the golden era of, of Cubs' success, other than 1905 and, and, and such, which I don't remember. Um, so, yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone with that thought. It's just that sometimes moves need to be made to light a fire under a team, and this team is out of moves like that. I mean, they have a new hitting coach. They have a new pitching coach. They have a new bench coach. Um, there is, you know, uh, trading a player of consequence like Theo traded Nomar Garcia Para in 2004. Some people have referenced that when he was with the Red Sox. Nomar wasn't his guy. Nomar predated him there. Um, that's one thing. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know who that would be, and I don't know that. I don't know that. I, I don't think you can trade one of those big four. The guys who are asked to contribute every day and are Rizzo, Contreras, Baez, and Bryant. You can't trade those guys. You are getting a gigantic percentage of your offensive success from those guys. It is Hit and Run. It's Matt Spiegel here with you. We'll come back and talk to my dude, Chris Kampka. Cam Connections coming up. Top of the hour, some of you have asked, we'll give you the best of Theo Epstein from yesterday's pregame when he addressed the entire situation with Joe Madden. I know it was a Saturday night. You went out. You went out and about. Now it's a Sunday morning. And a couple textures have asked as I referenced it. So we'll, we'll play for you Theo Epstein's own words as he kind of recontextualized 
the situation for he and for Joe Madden right now. But Cam Connections is next right here on 670. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Four. in 25 seconds, so we better wait a good th- Now let's bring him in now. He is Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. He's a tremendous follow on Twitter, at C. Kampka. Chris, good morning. I got to tell you, my favorite item that you offered this week was all the different Cubs managers that Joe West has ejected from games. I, it, it's, uh, it's isn't astonishing. it wonderful that information like that is available? Comes in it, so handy at times that, like that. It's wonderful that it's available, and it's um, it's kind of alarming and impressive, or maybe more alarming, that Joe West's career has allowed him to throw out both Joe Madden and Herman Franks. It's but just, not Lou Pinella is a Cubs manager. How about that? But, but right, well that that that's happens to answer the middle. But dude has been around long enough to throw out Herman Franks. I know, uh, isn't that great? When I, I was going through the list, I'm like, oh, I got to post this Herman Franks. <laughs> who even yeah. remembers well, Herman Franks? Most most fans do not. I know um, it's just it's just like a that's just a name that Cub fans have heard rattled off when they're you know they talk about you know managers during bleak times or whatever is the name Herman Franks. That that was this week's. Oh my God, Joe West is still managing. Fact last week's for me was that he was the manager in the Sandberg game. You know, yep, <laughs> the first umpire. Yeah, first base umpire in the Sandberg game was Cowboy Joe West. But that's that's not why you called. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? First of all, I'd like to say a happy birthday to the great Bill Melton, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet in baseball and in life. I love Bill Melton. I, he's a wonderful, wonderful dude. Happy birthday indeed to Melty, a power hitter uh, par excellence. Youngest guy to lead the American League in home runs. Is that true? You know, I, I don't know. I don't think so, but it's possible. He, but maybe, he does maybe, have maybe, this maybe. in common. He has this in common with Jimmy Fox, Hank Greenberg, and Babe Ruth. They are the first players of their franchises to, to hit 30 home runs in this season. Jimmy Fox for the Red Sox, Hank Greenberg for the Tigers, Babe Ruth for the Yankees, and Belton Billy for the White Sox. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, no, I'm wrong. Tony Conigliaro was the youngest Guy, yeah, youngest okay. guy to uh, yep. lead, lead, yep. lead the American League in homers, but uh, that that's cool. First guy to hit thirty for the White Sox—that's that's crazy. Now, thirty is what a, a punch and Judy utility player is expected to hit now. Pretty much, and Comiskey Park was a nightmare for home runs back then. So it took something to hit those, and use the guy. Um, so, you know, speaking of White Sox third baseman, Yohan Moncada's at three hundred eight, three sixty three. 546 slash line. It's only 15 qualified batting average, play, uh, 15 players qualified for the batting title at 308. 
There's only 40 players qualified for the batting title at 363 on base. Only 20 players qualified for the batting title at 546 slugging. He's one of only seven players that are qualified for the batting title that have reached all three of those, 308, 363, and 546. Only one of two American leaguers that can make that claim, and the other one plays the same position, Rafael Devers. So that and what's fascinating is that they were they were assets, they were uh, colleagues, minor league pieces, prospects for the Red Sox at the very same time. And I think th- what I had heard at the time was that Rick Hahn and the White Sox wanted Rafael Devers and were told no and took Yohan Moncada instead. And now the two of them are the two American leaguers to be doing what you're talking about. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, in a season where it's the Giolito season. It's Aloy Jimenez emerging. Don't forget about Yohan Mankata. The guy is, is turning into a certified star, and it's great to see. Yeah, that's, um, that's in the Chris Sale trade, what I was just referencing. Devers uh, over Mankata was the desire, but they end up with Mankata, and it looks like it's, it's turning out beautifully. Do you have the full list of seven? Who are the five national leaguers? That's pretty rarefied air to, have, um, yep. to be a guy hitting at least 308, OBP of at least 363, and I think you said slugging at least 540. Yep, uh, it's 308, it's the exact numbers, you know, just uh, 308, 363, 546. So the other ones are Freddie Freeman, you know, I mean, no arguing there, so he's a star. Nolan Arenado, uh, Charlie Blackman, Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger. So that's a list. Dude, that is a list! That is a list. That's that. Yep. That is that's amazing, and that's the list that Yoan Moncada is on. So an excellent reminder to, to to make sure you realize what sort of year this has been. I mean, Tim Anderson's breakout and his public um, is pu- the public part of that took a lot of headlines in the first half of the year, and and then Giolito and McCann. But Yoan Moncada has busted out in a big way. That's awesome. All right, cool. What do you, you got for the Moncada. north side, sir? Okay, so let's cross over. Lucas Giolito, two starts with six earned runs in the season in a crosstown game. He's one of only two players to do that. The other is Kerry Wood in 2002. So there's that. So now we're moving on to the Cubs. See, I, I bridged it there, you know. Uh, <clears throat> yes, now, runner, runners in scoring position has been a problem with the Cubs all year. And they're, they're batting 252 with runners in scoring position, which is kind of, uh, in the 20s, you know, in ranked in the major league. They hit 252 with runners in scoring position in uh, 2016 when they won the World Series. The batting average with runners in scoring position isn't the problem. What is the problem is a lack of plate appearances with runners in scoring position, which is a better indication of how good your offense is performing because you're getting more chances. You're gonna, I mean, whether or not your batting average is great or not, more chances of throwing a scoring position is going to equal more chance to score runs and eventually more runs. Let's so, pause right there. Let's pause right there and think about the wisdom of that. So you're not going to look at just the batting average. You're going to look at how many times do the hitters have a chance to come up and do something with runners in scoring mm-hmm. positions. You know what it reminds me in an odd way is, is Corsi in hockey because that's, that's potential scoring chances, and you can then measure like whether they've scored in those potential scoring chances, right? So Yeah, that, it, that's it, a it, great it, parallel because, you know, more chances means you're going to win. So if you have a bunch of chances and don't, over the course of the season, 
it's going to even out. You're going to get your runs. So they're 18th with plate appearances and runners in scoring position. Last year they were third in the major leagues. 2017 they were fourth. 2016 they were second with the same batting average they have this year. 2015 they were fourth. They had a lot of wins in each one of those seasons. That's fascinating. So each of the last four years in the Madden era, they've been top five in plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Right. And that's what I always, I look at that first. And that's this year they're 18th. You know, yeah. And this year they're 18th. That that's really interesting. That's really telling. So 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 what is that about? That's about overall the offense not getting on base. We could look at their team on base percentage. It's about overall team slugging a little bit cuz you're not getting to second or third quite as much as you were in previous years. Yeah, there's a little bit of all of that baked into there. And you know, that to me stands out. Wow. And by that, the way, that Speaking of which, they actually were good at runners in scoring position yesterday. And they did something for the first time yesterday that they had not done all season. And they score at least six runs without hitting a home run. That, that's the first time all year. Yeah, that's, you, you love to see that. And there was, uh, there was plenty of offense without the home runs and some with in that Pittsburgh game when they won 11-3. to And then last night, just a lot, of, a lot of really good eyes taking advantage of a lack of control for Giolito and a couple other, a couple other relievers. And then some, uh, some, some timely hitting. The Schwarber won a bit of luck. Uh, Baez with a rip down the line it, it was not, not luck. That's what, that's what Javi does sometimes. But... Uh, yeah, that's good stuff, man. I, I, I enjoy thinking about the runners in scoring position plate appearances as a way to consider uh, success, and it makes all the sense in the world, the numbers you gave. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I, that's just, to me, I don't know. I, I, and I love that comparison to Charles Corsi because it's the same deal. And um, hopefully the Cubs can – there's their um, on-base percentage really isn't that bad this year, so – but it is, it is top heavy in the earlier part of the year. So hopefully they'll get that turned around and become the offensive juggernaut that they all have been. I mean, on base percentage, they, they're eighth in the majors. Or hold on, that's a, that's a scoring position on base percentage. Yeah, on overall on base percentage, they, they're at 337, which is uh, with the Twins and Braves tied for fifth in the majors. So what gives? So- so that yeah that that that's not, that's not the issue that's not the issue but those opportunities with runner in scoring position is a big big deal. Kampka, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. And uh, you know, Cubs broadcast is on NBC Sports Chicago today, twelve thirty pregame. So if you're into that, you get that call. Yeah, there you go. So th- thank you very much, Chris. So yeah, there's, and, and it's it's the return of your regular broadcasters after after the awkwardness. Of um uh, of of watching a a cub and a socks together with Len and AJ yesterday, now it's the return of your of your comfy cozy broadcast teams. Although um I'm told on that Cubs broadcast, it is not Jim Deshays today. I think Jim Deshays has the day off. Ryan Dempster is working with Len Casper today on that television broadcast. So that's that's pretty cool. So Casper and Dempster is your is your TV team here on the score. I'll make way for pregame and Zach Zabin at 12.35. And then it'll be Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer coming your way for first pitch at a little after 1 o'clock. It's Kyle Hendricks and Yvonne Nova.
670, the score is where you are. Interesting question uh, via text just there that I'm going to hold on to. I'm going to look at um, the records within the division, the National League Central, uh, over the past mm, 20, 25 days or so, and it's really quite something. And also, as I mentioned, Theo Epstein on Joe Madden. That's all coming your way at the top of the next hour. It is 670, the score. It's hit and run. Keep it right here. We are live at Shy Sox Bar and Grill. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.